this episode of What's the Hazard is being brought to you by these incredibly generous true believers in workplace safety and health. And I am truly grateful for their support. Custom Concrete Specialists, CCS Group, and Cheyenne Wolford. My buddy Jim Cover down at the Nebraska Department of Labor on-site consultation group. Jim and all of his consultants. John Falowich and Falowich Construction Services. And our latest sponsor, Building Omaha. Building Omaha is a partnership between the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, the IBEW, and the National Electrical Contractors Association, NECA. They pair highly trained electrical professionals with industry contractors to ensure they're able to serve customers safely and effectively. Building Omaha, the partnership that powers our city. Learn more at buildingomaha.org. Thank you all. We appreciate your support. All right, now let's get into this episode. Uh, This is Doug Fletcher, and you are listening to What's the Hazard? It is Friday, March 11th, and I know this because my son, Kent, it's his birthday today. Happy birthday, Kent. Right on. How old? Kent is 24. Lives out west somewhere. Still on insurance. Still on my insurance, of course. <laughs> and my phone and my in, and car insurance and all those other things. But he's trying, man. I give him credit. He's trying. So happy birthday, Kent. My buddy Aaron Cerrone is here, as always, once a month. He comes in to straighten us out on leadership and similar topics. <laughs> At least provide some levity to the program. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. we need a little levity here, man. And uh, we've got a guest today. I'll let you do the introductions. Me? Okay. If you would. Uh, I brought (laughs) Katrina Bishop, my friend, who is the anxiety expert in Omaha, Nebraska. Very good. Uh, Hypnotherapist by trade and helps people deal with anxiety and various issues surrounding anxiety. So I thought it would be something fun to talk about. really good. Anxiety in the workplace and and, uh, various ways that can affect us. Hi, Katrina. Yeah, hi. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to meet you. It's wonderful to have you. you. I, I think this is such an interesting topic. We were talking briefly about it. At breakfast this morning, and then I said, "Stop talking," because I love the spontaneity of the conversation. Um, Plus, we probably needed a female on here too to balance. Oh, dude, it out. yeah, no, I bring in a lot of. No disrespect to yeah. my guests, but this is the best looking crowd <laughs> I've had. Become my, a regular <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah, you could be a yeah. regular. Absolutely. <laughs> I think uh, the viewers would appreciate that. Definitely. <laughs> no, you two are you do, like poster model type people and stuff. So, so thanks for being here. Um, this is the camera here. You can look at the audience occasionally if you want to. You don't have to if you don't want to. Just don't tap on the table. That's the only rule. I had my buddies from OSHA on last week, and damn if Ian didn't tap on the table the whole time. Why is – maybe you can – is that something Nervous that we energy. can address with Stage hypnosis, yeah. perhaps? Nervous energy, tapping the fingers, tapping the toes. Is that – Oh, yes. yeah, yeah. It is a, a cue, or what would you – is it a symptom of it's this? It's a coping mechanism. It's a co- yeah, it? it's a self-soothing. Um, okay. You know. I just white knuckle underneath the yeah. table. I was going to say, that's kind of what I'm doing, too. I'm just up. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I'll ask my clients, like, where do you feel that in your body? Like, where do you think you store that energy or notice it first? And a lot, some, they'll say it's in their fingertips. They'll either tap, they'll pick, they'll chew, they'll tap their toe. So, feel like, real nail restless. biting? Is yeah, like, yeah. Is similar. It's very common. Or picking the skin around your nails. What about just random banging your head against the wall? Is that <laughs> well, that's more of a temper tantrum, I think, which, which we, can get, in, we can get into the, the similarities of that chemically in the brain. But, yeah, I think you're just throwing a temper tantrum Often when you do that. Fair. Yeah. Well, you know, so our show was about uh, workplace safety primarily, but not exclusively. And we've added leadership, which is such a big part of what we do. And oftentimes neglected and the whole stress thing I think is really interesting because of the you know we talk about in workplace safety and health we talk about some of these mindsets that lead to critical errors 
And so fatigue, frustration, rushing, complacency, all these different mindsets that will lead, unfortunately, to these critical errors that we're trying to avoid. So let's talk a little bit about stress just in general. What is it, you know, um, and maybe what you do to try to help your clients and yeah, okay. what we can, what, how would that apply to the workplace? Yeah, well, we, you know, we bring in to any workplace, you know, our stresses, our anxieties, um, and we carry them with us everywhere we go. So, you know, it does affect our job performance. It can affect safety for sure. And, and stress is just the result usually of, you know, anxious thinking, um, what you're experiencing in daily life. Um, stress is kind of that tension we hold in our body Anxiety is just um, like an overwhelming worry, uh, fear, stress that, you know, when it becomes chronic, um, then it actually can become a disorder where the worry, the stress, the fear is now affecting your daily life, like your job, your family, um, things that you used to be able to do with, with no problem now become very difficult. So you're, you're, there is a distinction between stress and anxiety. Yes. You're making yeah. that distinction. Yeah. So okay. stress, worry, fear kind of all lump into a lot of the anxiety disorders. Interesting. Okay. Because we are going to have a certain amount of daily life stress, you know, whether it's um, physical body stress or mental, emotional stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That we. Do you we need a little bit of stress? Me. I mean, do you have to, you probably need a little bit of stress, don't you? I mean. I think it's unavoidable that life is going to, life is going to throw us some curveballs. I mean, you could take the approach stress elicits change, positive and negative. Mm -hmm. Like you, like you lift weights, that's a stress on your body Mm -hmm. as well. Like you put your, you know, the whole mantra, be uncomfortable if you want to grow as a person, that's all stress. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think one thing you said that that was key was, you know, we, we, we bring, we take things with us and we talk a lot about leadership and understanding that, Hey, Someone who might be performing bad, it's not just, oh, they're being lazy or they're screwing up. It could be something they're bringing in with mm. from their private life that we're not keyed into. Yeah. You know, I've talked to other business owners, you know, or had clients and they've said stories too about, you know, someone just wasn't performing, you know, they advanced them into roles that they had groomed them for. And then all of a sudden, and then they, you know, have discussions with them and find out, you know, maybe, you know, things at home aren't going so well. Maybe there's a sick family member that they just hadn't shared. And then it kind of puts it into a a bigger perspective, but yeah, we don't always know what's going on behind the scenes. So Mm, like to Aaron's point, um, these things do affect job performance, but we don't always share them with people mm-hmm. around us or our coworkers. And, and the, the businesses that I deal with typically would be manufacturing, construction. Um, I don't deal with IT people. I don't deal with desk people typically in my, in my consulting work. And those tend to be, I don't mean to overgeneralize, but they tend to be guys and gals that don't share a lot of that stuff. Is that yeah, a reasonable know. statement or is that... No, that that's a reasonable statement. And, you know, manufacturing, you know, it, it's hard work. And oftentimes they're putting in, you know, 60 to 70 hours and sometimes forced overtime. And I think they have one of like the highest divorce rates, too, just because of the stress it puts on the marriages and the family. So, you know, but you're not really sharing that with your coworkers. You know, none of us, um, you know, typically forthrightly just want to share that because, one of the brain's primary jobs is to, you know, save you from pain, discomfort, and that also includes embarrassment. So we don't automatically just want to put ourselves out there if we think we'll be judged, you know, ridiculed. Right. There's going to be a level of embarrassment. 
You know, I find the brain um, really fascinating when you start to learn about its job. And the number one job of the brain is safety and survival. So it's kind of that instinctual brain. We're always trying to, like, are we safe? Um, The second job is that it wants to save us from discomfort, embarrassment, pain, shame, guilt, all of that. Um, And the third primary function is to conserve energy, which this one I find really fascinating because it's not just like physical energy, but it's like learning something new. So we get into these habits. We can even get into stress habits or anxiety habits. They're all just programs that when we've done these, you know, things long enough, the neural pathway becomes stronger in the brain. So now it just becomes second nature. Mm-hmm. And um, Which is an energy conservation yeah, tool, energy, right? A habit. Yes. So the brain would rather keep you the same, even if it's something detrimental to your health or mental well-being, than it would be to learn a new skill or hobby or habit. So mm-hmm. people often just think they don't have enough willpower or they're just, you know, there's something lacking. They can't be that person that they would like to be. But it's really because the brain is just really resistant to it. It knows how to be an anxious thinker or it knows how to be stressed out or it knows how to be, you know, an Olympic bodybuilder. Whatever it knows how, it just wants to keep doing that. So when you introduce something new, automatically you're going to have resistance mm-hmm. um, to it. Wow. So this is like, this has an impact on the training that we're giving to our employees um, and, and the challenges with training, which, which are something that we do in, in my profession a lot, but struggle with. Yeah. We don't do it particularly well. And there is an, in, uh, an inherent biological resistance to sometimes to these changes that we're asking our employees to. Absolutely. Because um, beliefs drive behavior. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whatever that person's mindset is or their beliefs, which all, you know, have to do with their life's experiences mm-hmm. and it just shape how we even see information. That's, I've seen that yeah. quote before, beliefs drive behavior. That's an interesting comment because, um, whether, you know, whether or not you believe something can be possible certainly has an impact on that outcome. Yeah. And, you know, our, our, our behavior, you know, we'd rather stay in that comfort zone because it feels mm-hmm. familiar than we would to drive our behavior towards seeking change that benefits us, you know. So it's, it's kind of the brain is a fascinating thing. But once you start to kind of understand it, then you can start, you know, putting something together that's really going to get people to their goals or the desired mm-hmm. change. Um, but most people quit before they get there. I think they say 8% of New Year's resolutions actually make it to completion. I mean, it's that low. <laughs> I think that's probably yeah. high. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. Well, yeah, yeah you, you know you're, you're real the resolution well. guy. Yeah. Everybody yeah. comes yeah. to you with a resolution. It's probably high. But it's interesting you say that. I wonder how many, you know, Doug, uh, on the safety side, how often, you know, the safety expert or the leaders of the company will see somebody, you got someone who's been working for you for years, been that stout person, reliable, just starts making mistakes out of the blue or has an accident out of the blue, like, wow, so so unlike Doug to fall off the ladder. And then you just write it off as, oh, mm-hmm. it's just a one-time accident. But there's probably something going on beyond that. And we don't even think to ask, hey, how's everything going? Absolutely. And we say, hey, anybody get hurt? All right, keep going. Well, we were just, I was just talking with thing. somebody about incident investigations and trying to find those causal factors. What led to that incident occurring? And we're very... Typically, we're focused in on the employee doing something wrong, Superficial an unsafe reasons. behavior or something. Yeah. We don't, I don't know that we ever dig into that level of depth, you know, that there might have been some issue, some 
stress or anxiety creating issue that actually contributed to this. I mean, that, that just seems like, you know, usually I'm like uh, the employee's an idiot. He stuck his head where it didn't yeah. belong. And <laughs> I coach the employee not to stick his head there anymore. Which is all you know? true to a degree, right? <laughs> yeah. Can be. yeah. Right. So do you consult with businesses or you have a private, you own your own business? Yeah, I have uh, a private, you know, hypnotherapy office. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I do life coaching and NLP too. So I've had business owners as What's clients. NLP um, NLP is Neuro Linguistic Programming. NLP, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's what it stands for. And it's it's quick brain retraining exercises that can help people regain control of like racing thoughts or panic attacks, you know, within seconds. So that they can get a, you know, control over their body and control over their thoughts. So um, it's how been would, around for a long time. How cool. would somebody in Doug's position or mine as, a, you know, as leaders in a company, let's say there's an accident and usually the initial investigation is superficial. Was the ladder broke? Did they follow the checklist? But how do you, if I'm going to interview, let's say the employee, what's the best approach to to get to that next layer that Doug says we're not really getting to, it's like, how do I go about, hey, is everything okay at home? Like, that's coming up yeah. pretty punch yeah. in the mouth. Yeah. Like, everything mm-hmm. okay at home? Like, well, what do you mean, yeah. man? To mm-hmm. your point, they're not going to share probably anyway. No, and, and most of the time, we just tell people what they want to hear, mm-hmm. especially if it's an uncomfortable topic. But, I mean, obviously, you have to do those investigations. You have to have those, um, you know, cause, causes. But I think uh, there was a book called The Coaching Habit. I actually think maybe... You gave it to me, but there was a great question in there. It's like, you know, getting to what's the real issue here because motivational interviewing techniques, which are great, you know, ability to question someone and get to kind of like, okay, but I hear what you're saying, but you know, what was the real issue here? Or, you know, what was the mindset going into your work day? Because mindset, I tell you, has a lot to do with it. When we talk about goals and, you know, every company has goals for safety. They have measurements and things that they have to meet. Um, but rarely do, I mean, goals are usually something other people want for you. That's what your company wants for you. That's what your spouse wants for you. That's what your mm-hmm. trainer at the gym wants for you. So understanding the difference between a goal and a commitment, I think, is huge. Because if you're committed to showing up every day, you know, and upholding the safety or upholding the work culture or the mindset, you know, that's something people can get passionate about together. But but goals usually don't inspire people to inspired action. They're usually just, you know, something that is either imposed on them or they think they should do for themselves. Oh, that is really good. And I, I have been waiting for you to come along for a long time. <laughs> and, and I mean that... Somewhat figuratively. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> but, thank you. Thank no, you. I don't mean no, to, I don't mean to overstep here, but but this mind component and, and what you're describing has been the obstacle to what we as safety professionals have been trying to achieve for as long as I've been doing this for thirty five yeah. years. And we you know, we have always attempted through these weird metrics and goals to to force something on our employees work safely is a command you know and um if there's if there's no commitment there on the part of the employee for whatever reason right if there's an a why attached and you know and the why could be we want you to get home safely to your family the why Mm -hmm. could be we want you to enjoy you know your hobbies and your your interests Mm -hmm. you know it's what motivates people and 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 yeah like you said typically those kind of instructions here's what you we're expecting you to do, although it is part of your job requirement, 
doesn't really motivate people. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I was driving to Hastings a couple of days ago, and um, I was thinking about, you know, this whole what what can we do to motivate or drive employees to work more safely? What is it that we can tap into that might get them to, to focus on working more safely? And I know a few places that I've been have taken pictures of the employees' families and put them up over over the entrance into the work environment. Or I've seen construction guys that have had pictures of their family in their hard hat or something like that, and they may periodically refer them to that. I mean, you walk by that every morning when you go into the shop or when you're putting your hard hat on, you see your children. And then I ask myself, do I do I work do I think about my boys before I work or before I undertake an activity? I'm not sure that I do. I mean, I I probably go to work because of my boys. I want to earn a living because I want to provide for them. But I'm not sure that I work safely because of them. I don't know, maybe subconsciously to some extent. I I'm I'm interested in that motivation piece or how we get people to get beyond just here's the goal. Yeah, because, you know, you work it's, on that stuff. Yeah, it's hard to, you know, find each and every person's why. But, you know, a company's culture, which, you know, it, it plays a big, it has a big impact on, you know, how you show up for work, you know, why you want to show up for work. It's And it's the narrative, too, that you create in your own head, that your own story. Like, if you constantly wake up every day and you kind of just dread going to work, I mean, you bring that with you. And it only takes a couple people in a culture, you know, to kind of be cancerous. If you've ever experienced mm-hmm. that when you go in, you can kind of Definitely. sense that. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, a person's mindset has so much to do with, you know, how they perform, you know, the how the people around them perform. And, and so... You know, I think a lot of it is just helping people understand the effects of stress, the effects of anxiety, you know, a healthy life, which includes, you know, how they eat and exercise. Um, But I don't know a lot of big companies that probably have mindfulness, Mm -hmm. um, you know, throughout the day or have taught people, you know, how to breathe the calm down or how. I totally agree. And. You, you mentioned something, wellness. Wellness used to be a really big deal. If you, I remember, you know, 10 years yeah. ago, everybody had this wellness program, you know, and at the company where I worked 20, it's been 30 years ago, 25 years ago, we had a wellness program where we would record, I walked a mile today, check, I walked here, and I got a, like a koozie or something if I, you know, got 20 <laughs> points on my wellness. I don't think, are we really hitting the right things? I mean, this is your world too. Both of you guys are kind of in the, Stress relief, anxiety relief, wellness industries. Yeah, I mean, are we doing it right? There's always there's always a buzzword of the moment, uh, especially in corporate. Mindfulness is probably the buzzword right now. Mindfulness mm-hmm. and awareness, however you want to say it. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it, it's it comes it comes down to culture. Are you looking out for your people? Are people looking out for each other? Are they looking out for themselves? Uh, that type of approach and giving them the tools to do that. Uh, I think it's different in every industry. Like it's, it's tough when you're, if you're on a road crew or you're on a construction crew to obviously it's important, but what's a wellness program look like on a construction crew? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like there's an on-site gym or there's, you right. know, there's an on-site HR person they can go talk to or anything like that. So, you know, the environment I think dictates a lot and how those things mm-hmm. are executed and they can quickly get forgotten about. 
if you're not careful. Uh, is it one of those things where it's maybe the foreman needs to walk around and check in with everybody every day? That's part of the wellness program. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's important. It just looks different than it would like in a corporate environment where they could have a place, they could have a safe room to go to, or they could have an HR person to talk to type of deal um, where it's more readily available. So, and it's one of those things where I keep thinking back to how, how would you peel back that onion if an accident happens and, you know, it was really something that started at home that caused that accident. And I think it's one of those things where if, if you're the foreman on a site or you're the manager on that shop floor, if you are checking in with people and talking to them on the regular, you should be able to pick up on those things. Like mm-hmm. when Doug hits the door, I can see something's off. Mm-hmm. Or he's been off the last couple of days. It's not surprising he tripped and fell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, to me, that's 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 part of the. If you think of wellness in a holistic approach, that's all part of it. You know, if, if you're checking in and talking with people, and you're staying in tune to everybody uh, in the company, and, and and especially under your immediate supervision, you know, you you are looking out for their wellness in that respect. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, you have a good supervisor. You have you know, typically their lines perform better. Like the people are just, they want to do good work for that Mm -hmm. person because it's a lot about how you make people feel, Mm -hmm. you know, and I know. It's just paying attention. Like at at the gym, you know, like. I can tell when someone, one of the coaches, at the second they hit the door, I can tell if they're off. Mm -hmm. Just the way they carry themselves, their demeanor, how they talk, you know, when you say hey to them, how they respond, like, okay, something's off today. So is this, would you call that a mindset issue? Is that a mindset thing? Yeah, it's a mindset issue. And, um, you know, our thoughts are energy. So they're cellular energy in your body. So whatever thought that you have in your head at any given moment is going to drive your emotions, your feelings, and then it's going to drive your behavior and action. It's like this big circle mm-hmm. that your behavior and action will always mirror the largest thought or belief you have about yourself at that given moment. So that cellular energy that our thoughts put off actually you know you could feel someone walking up behind you right you don't have to see them to know you can start to feel that they're there so mm-hmm. you carry that energy with you everywhere you go so I mean it can it can be felt like Aaron said you know as coaches come in if they're having a bad day you can sense it right away on someone without even asking the question but it, and again the positive energy that positive force you bring with you some of those same coaches at his gym, like their classes will have double the amount of students mm-hmm. because they just like the way that coaches, you know, energy is, it's always sure. positive. They're you hear always, the term infectious energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but it really is a true thing. Like yeah. you can even, um, you know, you know, you can, I, I teach this with my little kids, um, that come in. It's just like your thoughts are energy, you know? And so, we'll have them think a negative thought. And, you know, I don't know if you've seen that arm test where you have them hold their arm out and you have someone, you know, and then you press down on it, that arm will just drop. Mm -hmm. You know, you have them think a a positive thought for themselves and they'll notice just how much stronger their body is. And so it's just a great way to show them visually because most people are visual Mm -hmm. learners, visual and and then kinesthetic, the act of doing it or watching it being done. So, yeah, I mean, they're just shocked that to realize yeah, what you're thinking plays such a big role in how you carry yourself, how you perform, for sure. And, and even in your physical health, um, if we have a lot of, you know, negative beliefs about ourselves, worries or fears, 
you know, think about um, how many people have stomach issues, um, mm-hmm. you know, migraines, uh, carry that stress in their back or their neck. They're always complaining about, I mean, like that energy settles in your body mm-hmm. as well and obviously can hurt performance too at work or, or outside of work. So it's a really comes down a lot to mindset and what a person is thinking because it always drives behavior. In your, in your practice then, are you working on tools for, uh, establishing mindset or correcting mindset? Yeah, absolutely. And are there things that we can do as employers that might benefit our employees' mindsets? Yeah, so, I mean, I have a three kind of step process in every client session. And the first is always goal setting. You know, where do they want to be in life? Whether it's their career, you know, family relationships. Like, and you'd be so surprised. People are so used to telling you what they don't want. You know, they, they can list, they can make a huge list because we're just so trained to think negatively, you know, and sometimes it's in our upbringing, it's, you know, sometimes in our environments, but they have a really hard time at first just being able to say, you know, here's what I'd like, you know, so I would say, if I could have a magic wand and change anything for you, what would you like your life to look like? And we kind of get into that. And then we kind of bring up some of the obstacles. Maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's panic attacks, you know, maybe there's some trauma, um, but it's really goal oriented and that's what I love about it, you know? And then we teach those NLP exercises that help, you know, retrain new neural pathways in your brain. Cause we know in the brain, if you don't use it, it'll start to fade away, but you can build new neural pathway highways in your brain, which would be like building a new habit or a belief system. So we do those and then we reinforce that with hypnosis or, what we call, you know, mental movies. Mm-hmm. It's just a relaxed state where the brain thinks what you're envisioning happening for your life is real. It doesn't know the difference between this isn't real yet and this is real because the racing questioning mind is quiet. So just like when you watch a movie and you the make the movie makes you feel sad or it makes you feel scared, your brain isn't going, hey, wait a minute, this is a movie, don't have any emotion, you are just having the emotion. And so it's the same way when you get into those brainwave states of meditation, or trance like hypnosis. And I have a client think of them at their very best, you know, and we build up all of those things they said they wanted to feel, or they wanted to achieve moving easily past any obstacle, you know, like with public speaking. For example, you know, just we kind of run it through what it would be like to stand in front of someone and deliver your message and, um, you know, do it perfectly with so much confidence. The brain thinks that's real. So it's kind of like that mental rehearsal. Is this like similar to visualization to some degree? Yeah, yeah. So it becomes in the subconscious immediate. So therefore, you know, it happens more immediately for them. They don't. Mm -hmm because they've mentally rehearsed it. But again, the brain doesn't know that that wasn't real. Mm-hmm. So we always reinforce every session with that visualization, that mental movie. Um, works great with athletes, lots of professional athletes, especially golf. Um, we'll have a hypnotist or a, you know, a mind coach, whatever, whatever you want to call, call mm-hmm. it. Um, hypnosis kind of has a voodoo type of association, especially you know, here in the Midwest, that they think it's mind control. Um, that I that I have <laughs> magic powers that I can instantly make you, you know, lose weight, stop smoking, which, I mean, it does work for that, but the person yeah. has to want the change. Yeah. They have to want it. Okay. In order for it to But happen. I mean, we, we talk about industrial athletes, 
from a standpoint, when we talk about ergonomics or other types of physical stressors, and we refer to our people, our employees as industrial athletes, they could benefit from positive visualization, I would assume, as well. Could they not? Oh, yeah. Everybody could benefit from it. Um, You know, I go in and speak to his college students in one of his business classes. Um, I spoke to an AP psych class yesterday in a high school, and they all wanted to experience the relaxation exercise. Mm -hmm. Um, And just when people get done with building up the positives within themselves, all their natural abilities, their natural resources, kind of amplified. I mean, everyone just walks out of my office with like a smile on their face. Like it's just... (laughs) Can you do this to a group? Can you do this in a group setting? Yeah, yeah. So can you do this for some of my clients? Yeah. If they were to assemble employees, you could go in there. Yeah, I have a couple coming up this month, too, where um, they're doing kind of an employee appreciation, and they have different workshops throughout the day. And so I'm going to come in and do like a mindfulness relaxation exercise where we'll, you know, build up the confidence and motivation and self-assurance and um, so people can experience it for themselves, and then Mm -hmm. they can see the benefit of it. They they say like 10 minutes of meditation is to the brain like an hour worth of sleep because of the type of brainwave state you're in. So it's also just feels great. Have you done this with him yet? You put him through some kind of like mindfulness? She's tried. A couple times. I'm He's in, a pretty resistant client. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, you got to want it. Can't you um, hypnotize him and make him uh, make chicken noises I or something? Can, um, <laughs> You know, you know, if you've ever seen the comedy, you know, show with the hypnotist and you're just like, oh, my gosh, that, that is mind control. Right. Yes. Because that person normally, if you knew him, they wouldn't be up there dancing like a chicken. And right. the thing is, is that in that hypnotic state, you are not afraid of failure. Mm-hmm. The questioning mind is silent. You, you have no fear of failing at something. You have no fear of being judged by anyone. So if you make a suggestion that you're going to be a dancing chicken... And it doesn't go against your moral code or your beliefs. You'll do it to the best of your ability because mm-hmm. you just simply are not afraid of failing at it. Interesting. But if I told you, you know, like we're going to go rob the bank mm-hmm. and that's against your moral beliefs, you would instantly just look at me and go, okay, what? That's not you, why you I'm here. I'm that. here to reduce my stress and anxiety. Mm-hmm. You know, of course I wouldn't do that, but you would instantly refuse that. But you would refuse something like that or you would do it and then we would know something more about you perhaps. Or as yeah, as yeah, like yeah, maybe you really is. yeah, yeah, you would be a dancing chicken, but But it, what what <laughs> what about the um, the mindfulness meditation type things? Can you describe that just a little bit? Yes. Because I do hear it all the time. Aaron mentioned this is kind of a buzzword right now and to be perfectly transparent, I have a mindfulness books sitting on my stack of books next to my chair. I have all these books usually that I'm interested in reading or that I never get to. One of them is about mindfulness. And if you could so summarize that for me yeah. so I don't have to read the book. <laughs> yeah, so Talk a little bit about what that is or, uh, or how can we do it? I mean, why couldn't we have our employees engage in something like this for just a few minutes at the start of every shift? Oh, abs- oh absolutely. And get their Imagine, mind yeah, right. So get their, their mindset right. So uh, the average human brain has fifty to 70,000 thoughts a day. Can you believe that? Not it, mine. It, yeah, it is. Oh, it's a lot. Are you saying you're higher or lower? 50 yeah. to 70, yeah. maybe. 50 <laughs> to 70,000, unlikely. But yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, and and. At any given time, a brain is tracking seven bits of information. So when something comes into your awareness, you know, 
then it searches your subconscious for resources that match. And your subconscious is like your behaviors, your emotions, your habits. It's all the stuff below the surface you're not aware of until it comes like flooding up. And so our bodies have two different types of nervous systems. And so I'll get to this, why it matters for the mindfulness. Your parasympathetic and your sympathetic Mm -hmm. nervous system, you probably heard Mm -hmm. of both of these. And the sympathetic, when it's triggered... And that could be by an actual fear or an actual threat to your safety, or it could be a perceived one. So with anxiety, you know, you have a lot of racing thoughts typically about the future or worries or fears. But again, the brain and body work together and they think that there's an actual perceived threat. So it switches on that sympathetic nervous system, which is the fight, flight, freeze, and they've now added faint. So... Mm. When you're constantly, you know, taking in 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day, you can easily switch on that system, you know, of stress, of that reactionary, where you're just not in what you call your wise mind or your mindful mind. The fastest way to turn on the parasympathetic nervous system, which is responsible for calming you, is to breathe. Six deep breaths will stimulate the vagus nerve that goes from the back of your brainstem into your abdomen. It's the fastest way to gain control of your thoughts. And not just breathing, but mindful breathing. So turn all of your thoughts just towards your air and like following air in through your nose and like you're blowing out through a straw. That that's the fastest way. <laughs> Six deep breaths. I do this all the time. Two. I didn't even turn on it. that's what turns turns on the calming system the quickest. Because I, you know, like I tell my, my clients with anxiety and, and stress or panic attacks, you can't use more thinking to calm down irrational thoughts or feelings or just get out of that sympathetic nervous system because it's a neurochemical reaction in the brain. Is when you have a thought and, and our brain filters these thoughts out, only 10% get through and it, it instantly gets an emotion attached to it from your past beliefs, you know. And conditioning, so that emotion comes, then the feeling comes, which is a neurochemical that matches the emotion. So it's actually in your bloodstream. And so you can't talk yourself out mm-hmm. of it. So you have to use your body mm-hmm. to calm your mind. But So when you do this vagus nerve activity, when you're doing these breathings in through the nose, these deep breath, mm-hmm. I, I, I was trained to hold it a little bit, and then you blow out through the straw really slowly. Yeah. So that the exhalation almost takes longer than the inhalation phase. Yeah, think of it like five by five by ten. You know, inhale for five, hold for five, breathe out for Mm ten. And then another great, you know, add-on to that is think of a calming color. And then notice in your body, like, where you're holding that stress or that tension. And then breathe that color into that part of your body. So if you're really visual, it works great too. Like if you're constantly holding it in your chest and, you know, a lot of us hold our breath and we don't even realize it when we're thinking or we're nervous, but blowing that color and just seeing it expand in your lungs, exhaling out the color adds how, how just do you a know whole what a calming color is? Is it just your It's own whatever personal? you want it to be for you, yeah. Is it your chakras? Nope, okay. it's just whatever color you think would be soothing. <laughs> because, I mean, they, I know they yeah. prisons a certain color that, that, that is a, a calming color to try to keep inmates from too much violent activity. Yeah. I don't yeah. know what color that is, not having been in prison. I haven't either, but I say it's whatever you want it to be. A lot of my clients choose blue, like light blue. Okay. I mean, like that's probably the most common. Okay. Usually, if they give the anxiety or the negative feeling a color, it's usually red or black uh, or brown or kind of dark, but... Okay. 
it really is whatever okay. that person wants it to be. But it, again, it's just having the mind focus on something else. You know, if the calming color for them is blue, they might think about an ocean or the blue sky, you know, then they're breathing it into their body. So they're adding some different layers to even the breathing. And any time to, like if you notice yourself becoming stressed, um, start to kind of to create some space from it and even ask yourself on a scale of one to 10, like where would I rate my stress or where would I rate my anxiety today? And so then when you do the breathing exercise and you check back in, generally, if you are like an eight stressed out and you just did 30 seconds of breathing, usually you check back in and you're like, oh, I'm a three or four. Like this is getting, you're proving to your conscious thinking, this is getting better, not worse. Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, all of those little things can help wow. shape mindset and behavior. And these are things behavior that, training. it yeah. seems like this would be simple to do at the start of a work shift or something like that. So we could get our employees into this positive mindset or at least move them toward that before we start the day or whatever. I mean, maybe part of the, the daily standups we always talk yeah, about yeah, in the beginning of shift. And I don't even go so far as to um, do it again twice a day, like random mm-hmm. breaks mm-hmm. in which you're, everybody's checking in. Maybe when you come in. back from lunch. Or everybody's checking condition in. Condition them when the bell goes off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And, and, uh, then they to breathe. Yeah, and, and the exactly. other thing, too, is yeah. to uh, a lot of times, you know, by law, depending on the length of the day, you have to give, you know, a half-hour lunch, 15-minute mm-hmm. break, 10-minute mm-hmm. break. But um, very rarely will employees actually take those. Mm-hmm. It's true. So they'll just keep working. Oftentimes they'll work through them. They'll work through it, work through lunch. They'll just keep going because they, they don't want to come off the clock or they just mm-hmm. want to get the work done and get out of there. So I think it's very important as well is to force those breaks, uh, if nothing else, just to give a reset. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you don't necessarily have to gather everybody around, but if you just say, all right, everybody, we're taking 10, go outside, walk around a little bit, and that just kind of resets everything, then they come back in like recess. Mm-hmm. And then get mm-hmm. back to work. And that a lot of times that just the break in the monotony of the work will reset your mind. And, okay, I'm back at it again. I love that, too. And I used to love recess. Yeah. And I think there's value in recess. 100%. Like even for a workforce. Well, if you think about Absolutely. if everything is energy-related, right? So if you do have negative thoughts, and that is energy, one of the best ways to get rid of that is to exercise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like a dog. Like if you don't exercise a dog, that energy will manifest somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And it's usually tearing up your shoe or tearing up your house, mm-hmm. right? The dog's trying to get rid of that excess energy. We as humans will stuff that into emotion or whatever and then just compartmentalize it and put it away. And then it just rears its head down the road somewhere else. So, you know, while I agree a thousand percent taking time and breathing and, and just centering your mind and, and resetting yourself, but just getting outside and walking around a little bit mm-hmm. just to Absolutely. move that energy out and, and reset yourself. A lot of times it's just something that simple. will just, okay, snap out of it. Got that thought. It's gone. Yeah. That's okay. I'm refreshed. Got some fresh air. Let's go back in and get back to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Chinese believe, you know, that, anxiety, you know, stress, it's all stored energy that has nowhere to go. It's like thoughts that you haven't resolved, the feelings that you haven't resolved that just you're basically like Aaron said stuffing down in your body and and pushing down. And anytime you can break that state, when you get into the anxious thinking or racing thinking or stressful thinking like he said, besides breathing like anything that you could do different 
And that could just be five jumping jacks. It could be going out and taking a walk. It could be splashing cold water. There's even, you know, research to say biting on a lemon, you know, will shock the body and you can get out of a panic attack. You know, there's a lot of different Mm -hmm. ways, but really it comes down to once the neural pathway gets fired, you know, it knows how to have a panic attack. It knows how to be anxious. It Mm -hmm. knows how to have these behaviors. So as quickly as you can do something different, that would make your brain have to use different parts of the brain, then the neural pathway can't operate the same way. That's why exercise is great because when you bilaterally stimulate both hemispheres of your brain and they're passing information back and forth, whether you're running or kicking or, um, I mean, it's great for the brain because, you know, when I'm at the gym and if I'm doing like that Muay Thai class at Aaron's gym, like I can't be thinking anxious thoughts. I've got to be thinking about a punch combination or holding <laughs> right. pads for someone or I'm going to get, you know, punched Bumped. in the face. I can't be anxious yeah. during those Isn't moments. That true? And it's such a great way of um, getting rid of anxiety. And, and, and something else, like you said, about taking breaks throughout the, the work day, our, our brains have rhythms. They have rhythms for sleeping, um, like sleep cycles, and they have waking rhythms. And, that's something about, you know, our American culture, like Aaron said, we'll work through a break or we'll try to just like keep sitting at that desk and staring at that computer and trying to keep everything done. But the minute you feel your mind wandering, so for some people that's, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, others can go about 60 minutes, but usually the brain's waking cycle doesn't go longer than 60 minutes before it needs to reset. Mm-hmm. And that's when people start getting up and going to the coffee pot you know, they start, you know, becoming distracted, but really that's just a signal that the brain needs to reset. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can okay. do that. You can do that by just pausing and taking some deep breaths. You can do that by, you know, getting up and just taking a quick walk because mm-hmm. then when you set back down, you're going to have more focused attention on any task and trying to, to push uh, through it. Yeah, you just need to break the monotony. Yeah. And, I and I'm willing to bet that, I don't know if the data is out there. You would know, Doug, that, uh, a lot of the accidents that probably happen, especially in manufacturing and those type of environments, it's such monotonous work and you're just doing it repetitively, repetitively. And then like Katrina said, your mind starts to wander mm-hmm. and all of a sudden your hand hits the blade, mm-hmm. right? Cause you just, you stop thinking about Hold it. You're just kind of doing it over and over and, you know, breaking the monotony, I think is very important from mm-hmm. a safety perspective, just cause it resets the mind. It resets my focus. It's, you know, we've all been there. We've all driven home sometimes and don't remember the drive. Oh, without we question. just went on autopilot. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. how many times in these manufacturing environments or these... Save energy, yeah. probably, that, that's exactly energy. what it is. That's 100% So how many times on these construction is. sites, these roads, cruises, jobs that these people have done for years over and over, they're doing it without even thinking about it mm-hmm. anymore. And that's yeah. when the accident happens. Yes, it does. Because you're just not... It's not that you're not paying attention. You're just in that mode of... Yeah, I'm going. I'm going. Right. I'm a machine. I'm You're just in a habit doing this. loop. Of I'm some in a sort. habit loop, yeah. and my mind's really thinking about something else while I'm mm-hmm. putting wood into this chipper, and all oh, of a yeah. sudden I reach in too far. Oh, no doubt. And it's interesting because I think we've come to realize over the last few years, in particular, when we've been talking about this work from home phenomenon, there are two camps. There are two workplaces. There's the administrative, sit on your ass in front of a computer, work world and then there's the go to the factory go to the construction site world and we give a lot of attention to the sit on your ass and type in programming world these people can work from home they're more efficient at home blah 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 all the bullshit we've talked about but 
you know, and, and probably all of these take a break every 60 minutes. Their computer probably tells them take a break or get up and stretch. Or we used to have that in yeah. the government where our, our computers would actually shut mm-hmm. down and we had to go take a break. Like I usually I was right in the middle of a, a deadline <laughs> or something, like, no. you, know, right. just, uh, you know, but you know, at it, but we don't do that for these guys, the guys that are in the plant or on the construction site, you know, we don't, the guy that powers through lunch is a hero, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh he's yeah, he's rewarded. Company, yeah, you was know, rewarded. That's on the foreman and the managers to do that. It is. I used to, you know, when I would work overnights at a company in town here, I would tell people I could get up and walk around. I don't want to. I go get up and walk around, or I'd say go to the gym. I don't want to go off the clock. I'm like, I'll pay you to go, because mm-hmm. I understood that you know on a 12 hour shift, after about four hours into it, you're pretty much brain dead if you don't get up and walk around and do something to reset yourself. Yeah. And to me, that's not that's not the employee's fault because they'll sit there and work, right? Out of whether it's call of duty or they just want to get the day to go by or they just want to log the hours. It's on the supervisors to make them get up and move around. It's on the supervisors. All right, everybody, take a break. We're taking five. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody, run around the building or do whatever. Let's play ping pong. I don't know. Whatever the hell. Get together it. and do some deep breathing. Whatever it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Or <laughs> let's or let's huddle. Let's have a huddle. Let's have mm-hmm. a let's, let's schedule a couple of midday huddles and do them at random, and then let's talk about something and then go back to work just mm-hmm. to reset everything and break that monotony. But I mean, the employees won't do that on their own. They might do it subconsciously. Just oh, I, I got to go to the bathroom. Right. That's their yeah. way of breaking yeah. the monotony. Order mm-hmm. happens to be. But unless you make them do it, and then obviously it's something positive or a positive activity or, or you know, some type, you can make it some kind of team building thing if mm-hmm. you want. But everybody just go outside for a little bit. It's a nice day out. Let's go outside. Let's all go have lunch outside together type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they won't do it on their own. So that, that. That, that, that's, that's a management problem in my yeah, mind. That's that you, you got you to gotta, you gotta make that. That's, and it becomes part of the culture <laughs> at that point. Um, that's part of the reason why you see like a lot of companies with the open environment, right? Cause it encourages people to get up and move around and in theory mm-hmm. and collaborate more. And they're not just sitting at their desk and they're, they're more interactive, but there's also argument that that's why no work's getting done at the same time. But I mean, it's a give and take, mm-hmm. but I think in the environments that you're in, that's, that's very industrial, very manufacturing, very put your head down and work. We got, we got to make so many widgets a day or we got to get this stuff out it's too easy just to let people get into their own zone and just let them work all day long and then not even checking in on them. I would agree. Yeah. I think and dangerously so, yeah. And that's, I'm willing to bet that's usually when the accidents will happen. Yeah, interesting. And, and that may not necessarily be at any given time of day. We are, we are, we are looking uh, intently for these trends, you know, what we believe is trend analysis. Mm-hmm. When did the accident take place? It doesn't necessarily coincide with a time that your mind is distracted or that you were in that loss of focus necessarily. It's not always going to happen at 3 o'clock in the afternoon based on what you've done the day before right. and what stresses you've brought into the work environment. It could happen early. So maybe we're looking in the wrong places. Well, for some to your of these. point, though, I mean, data and metrics are what they are. If you do see trends, if there's like in a particular industry, if there's a nationwide trend that 90% of the accidents happen at 2.30 in the afternoon, well, why is that? Well, people come back for lunch. They got the food coma. They're looking forward to get home at the mm-hmm. end of the day. So they're really not paying attention in those last couple hours. That, hey, if you know that, schedule a break mm-hmm. right around that time. Yeah, or do that activity or, or that you a half were just hour before, about. Yep. and then break up the monotony, reset everybody's brain, so that now they're dialed back in for those last couple hours of the day for mm-hmm. that final push. 
when the accidents tend to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, so that that is good data to have. Like, okay, mm-hmm. if I know this, that's a great time to schedule these breaks. Right. That's a great time to refocus everybody, dial everybody in. And where's the next most common, you know, or what time of the year maybe even. If it's mm-hmm. a particular time of the year, let's do some things at that time of year to keep everybody's mind in the game. So, So I have this vision of the two of you – putting together a program that we can take to my clients. I'll take 25%. <laughs> and we'll negotiate that. We, no. 33? Camp can be part of it as well. But I love that, you know, this mind-body connection piece that you guys are. Well, let's not get too Confucian on it, right? <laughs> right. My son get t- t- too soft on him over here. In hand in yeah. here. yeah, exactly. But well, I, I mean, truly, staging I mean, the workplace give, might be a good idea. You could give employees a lot of tools to maintain focus, to maybe not alleviate, but control right. stress, um, physical well-being, all of these things that are going to make them higher performers, which I want as an employer, safer empl- employees, which I want as a consultant. Mm-hmm. An employer. I'm going to push yeah. back a little bit on you because okay. you said okay, give yeah. employees tools. <laughs> it's it's really the, the management and leadership that we're giving them the, the tools, tools to, and okay. they need to employ it and make it part of the fabric yeah. of the culture. Because, like I said, employees won't do it. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, You're what, right. what's what's the motivation? Oh, great! I know how to meditate. Can I get back to work now? You well, know, yeah, you know how it is. You're right. That's true. The, the framework can, can. Hey, I got. A if deadline I push to through make. lunch, I get to leave I, I gotta, thirty yeah, minutes early. Yeah, I got to get this house built. Can I? Can I get back to work now? I'll yeah. meditate on the weekend. You're right. 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 That's a good Absolutely. Point. It, it's on. It's on that foreman, that job site foreman, this, to make everybody take the break. Let's all get together. Let's mm-hmm. yeah. Let's dial it back in to to, right. to employ those tools. Uh, and, and make them work for the employees because mm-hmm. it, it, if left to their own accord, it, it, and they're not doing it spitefully like they don't want to do it. They just have other priorities. It's mm-hmm. not going to be high on their list. That's a great like, I got work to do. You're paying me by the hour, mm-hmm. and I want to log as many hours as I can because I got six kids at home or whatever it happens to be, mm-hmm. which yeah. is something we should be aware of. You know, yeah, one that's of the true. Aware of. And, and if you can really get to what people's pains and sufferings are, like if you can really start to investigate because if you can solve a pain or suffering from someone, that really motivates them. You know, that really, you know, helps. So, you know, collectively in, in like manufacturing companies, if you kind of have your pulse on, you know, what are most of our employees, what are some of their biggest emotional pain and sufferings, even physical pain and sufferings, and then coming up with tools that help alleviate that, that is a big game changer in people's lives. And it motivates sure. them to change too. That That's huge because when you have the 20 something in there working that person's working for a different reason than mm-hmm. the 40 year old with five kids mm-hmm. or the 60 year old that's coming back to work. Cause the 401k took a dump on them and they're, re- they're scared for their retirement. That, that cuts a little close to home. You, you know what I mean? No, but <laughs> like those, those people are motivated by very different things Absolutely. and to think I could manage them or they need the same tools to succeed is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like that 21 year old, that's a workhorse. You could pretty much, do whatever you want to that person. They're going to keep working because they're motivated by different things. Whereas they're not bringing in near the stresses or probably different stresses. They're worried about the girl that shot him down mm-hmm. or the guy that shot him down the weekend before. Whereas the father of four is like, I got to pay for daycare. Mm-hmm. How am I going to do this? And then the older person's like, okay, I got retirement to think about and yeah. I don't have enough saved up. Right. Right. Like those are, different things coming in with them yeah. and different reasons why they're there and different ways I need to manage them and different coping mechanisms they're going to need uh, to be successful. 
What is so? What is what is the uh, what What do you need from a program? If I'm going to ask you to come in and, and consult with some of my clients about developing approaches the employer can take to, you know, positive mindset or, you know, helping yeah. their employees. Yeah, what does that look like? Can we, well, can we do some, this? Because I'm actually interested yeah, in this. Yeah, I have some great, you know, kind of worksheets that just start doing that discovery of what do we, how do we think our employees, you know, how are they thinking? What are they feeling? What do we think some of their um, biggest struggles are or their pains are? And you just start to identify you know, I know, like Aaron said, you're going to have different ages and, and, you know, but you can start to see some commonalities, you know, maybe they work so much. I mean, maybe they, they're kind of lonely. They're not getting quality time with friends or family. And, but you can start to identify like majority wise, this is what we feel like their emotional or, or their physical pains and sufferings are. And then once you do that, then you have a clear kind of path to then creating those tools that you, that would alleviate that. Okay. Because what motivates people, um, besides their belie- beliefs, um, is also if you can alleviate their largest pains and sufferings or help or help with that. Um, so, you know, think of, of um, you know, if you and your wife had to switch and, you know, stay home with the kids because you couldn't afford daycare. And think about how that would affect job performance. And not that every company can come in and just start opening daycares, but you can start to address some of those greatest pains and sufferings. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably would see a work culture ch- change because people, um, when they feel cared about and cared for, will obviously do more work and better work than if they feel like they're just another piece of equipment or they're, you know, disposable and easily replaced, which in a lot of, you know, the larger companies, mm-hmm. they, you can just well, feel like a I number. Well, that's why I quit the government. Yeah. I was about the government, we understand Yeah, that. yeah, absolutely. All too well. And, yeah. and you know how difficult, you know, too, it is uh, to change culture, mm-hmm. too, within those large companies. And it, but that, you know, gets driven down from the top, like you mentioned but yeah, we might have to discuss this further. I yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I love yeah. ideas, and I think so too. And I, this is a piece, again, the leadership piece was such a big piece because, from where I come from, you know, teaching people how to work safely and teaching them about regulatory compliance and those issues—that's the easy piece. It's rarely effective, but it's a pretty easy piece. And then we started layering in this leadership piece, and you know, these supervisors and just leaders in these organizations, and that was something that we've neglected to some degree as safety professionals. So what Aaron has contributed has been incredibly useful. And now this yeah. piece that you're layering in with this mindset piece, this um, anxiety stress piece uh, that we've practically ignored in large part um, with maybe just a few exceptions. Some companies maybe are that insightful or that forward thinking. Well, there are some companies do that, uh, the stretch and, what do you call it? The stretch and flex type stretch. stuff. <laughs> that, yeah. You know, you, you're actually maybe warming your body up prior to what work but day, but you can do your mind as well, man. Yeah. I mean, just that exercise is dialing Yeah, a little bit of right? focus and awareness, but getting that mindset right. But I think there's, this is another piece that's really an opportunity for a lot of companies. You talked about the construction yeah. folks and the manufacturing folks mm-hmm. that don't have the luxury of working at Google or, you know, <laughs> the Facebook, the Facebook yeah. or any of those secret places. We're probably going to get shut down now that we mentioned all those. As soon as this uh, podcast I'd goes out, they're going to wipe it. Well, we are on our hour. We've actually exceeded oh, wow. our hour, yeah, which nice. is incredible. This well, has been thank fascinating. thank you for having so, me. So um, how do people get a hold of you? 
a better Did you. Did you want Aaron yeah. to give the website? No, or? no, I don't. Okay. I think I'll, okay. I'll give my website yes, out. Yes, please do. Yeah, uh, Katrina Bishop. Um, it's a better you dot me, and it's the letter U. So they a can you a better you me. dot me. Yep. Okay. Um, they can go to the website. Um, they can get more information. Why are you grinning? Um, He's you know, if you consultation, um, they're like mini sessions. Mm-hmm. So I meet with someone for the first time, um, complimentary, so that they can get to know more about my process and okay. I can get to know more about them. But they can go to a better you. But, but my clients, you would do some consulting with them, perhaps. Oh yeah, yeah, That'd be fantastic. I think when you develop people it pays off far more than educating, you know, mm-hmm. like when you develop them from within. Well, if we could address the leadership crisis. piece and this employee wellness mindset piece, we would be light years ahead of the piece Just that I offer. Start hypnotizing <laughs> exactly. culture I'd into companies. Was, could that hey, be a real thing? Uh, <laughs> After we yeah. wrap this up, we're going to hypnotize Aaron and all. Let everybody know next week how it goes. Yeah. So, on the table. <laughs> very good. Well, thank you guys. I hope you have a good weekend. Um, this this is fascinating stuff. I love this brain stuff. It's really interesting to me. <laughs> Having 50 to 70 thoughts a, a day or a month. Thousand, or, 50 a month. to 70,000 thoughts. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> That's not me. Very good. Well, keep up the good work. Focus on your employees. Uh, what we do is important. And, you know, um, give them the best you have. So uh, enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, thank you. A Huda Media Production.